Hello, everybody. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, um, we're on, uh, amazingly, four years and change in. We are now in the home stretch. We're going to start in the book of Revelation. We have uh, worked through 400 plus, no, 200 plus studies, uh, 230, 240, I can't remember now. I don't have the number here on my thing. Um, a lot of them, and uh, the book of Revelation is a fascinating study. And when we finish this one in 20-some weeks, we will move from there into the book of Genesis. So, uh, and then we'll start moving through the Old Testament together, which I believe will take us 15 years. So, yeah, I know that sounds funny, but people chuckle when I said it'll be five years through the New Testament, and yet here we are. And some of you have been with me almost every week through the process. And uh, uh, I was talking to my daughter about that today. She said, no way you're already in Revelation. I said, yeah, time goes really quick. When you're going off a week at a time like that, time moves it just flies away. So, uh, so another 15 years. Uh, so put us in 2030 sometime. We should be done with the Old Testament. We'll start again. <laughs> Dude, 15 years. Come on. 79. You'll be ready to go. We'll still be running. We might not run as fast. <clears throat> anyway, the book of Revelation... Um, um, is, a, is a fascinating study, as I said. Um, we're already pretty well acquainted with the author because we've studied the Gospel of John together and we just finished looking at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, all written by the Apostle John, and so is the book of Revelation. At least it's recorded by the Gospel of John. It's a revelation to him, from God to Jesus, through an angel to John, although Jesus will appear himself in the midst of the revelation. But... Uh, these are all the characters in, in uh, part of the a process of what's going on. The, uh, uh, there's lots of different ways to look at Revelation. I'll give you some ideas as we go through of some of the... Uh, we'll talk about sort of the, the main sort of um, systems that people have right now. I'll, I'll tell you the one that I'm sort of most inclined to agree with uh, and will impact the way we study the book. Um, but you know, but all of them have some. Well, not all of them have merit. Some of them have merit, and some don't. Uh, and uh, uh, there's lots of different ways that people look at Revelation. A lot of people are intimidated by it. I don't think you need to be. I think um, you can get bogged down if you're not careful in trying to figure out all of the symbols and what and tie everything in. And um, I would submit to you that Revelation is really a book about Jesus. And um, make that your focus. What can you learn about Jesus for today uh, and uh, in your life as you study the book of Revelation? And that should be the focus out of everything. And then some of the other stuff will um, sort of uh, reveal itself as you move along because that's part of the book. So, Revelation, as I said, written by the Apostle John in AD 95 or 96. John has been around for quite a while at this point. Um, he's... he's uh, He's still very active, but, um, you know, if you figure he was early 20s when he started hanging out with Jesus, and uh, we're, you know, we're 60 years past that, he's 80s, 90s, somewhere in there at this point in his life. Um, when he writes his book, uh, he's exiled on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea. Uh, he was sent there by the Romans for preaching the good news about Jesus. Patmos is about 50 miles offshore from the city of Ephesus. Uh, and um, most of what you're going to read about in Revelation and the, the churches that we're going to look at um, are, in, are located in what's now Turkey. 
Uh, and, and so um, just to give you some geographical idea of what was going on in the process. And so um, that's how it's taking place, 95, 96 AD, John's up in years. Um, he's exiled in Patmos, uh, he's been writing letters to the persecuted church, and he has this intense encounter um, with a, an angel that you'll see throughout and with Jesus himself popping into the whole equation and, uh, and telling John to write stuff down and pass it on. But it's encouragement. It was never meant to intimidate anybody. It's a book of encouragement to give us hope that Jesus is coming back. So let's look at this. Revelation 1, verses 1 through 20. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven gold lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, 
there we have the beginning. And that doesn't really need to be explained, right? We can just pick it up next week. <laughs> All right. So, chapter 1. Now, let's talk about Revelation here. Just a, another little overview time. Um, over centuries, there's a number of approaches that have sort of popped up to try and interpret the book of Revelation. I've got the sort of five most prevalent. Um, one is called the Preterist view. And um, that view believes that the events written about in Revelation all took place in the Roman Empire during John's life. That everything in the book of Revelation has already happened. That's a view that is held by parts of the church. It's all just written down what took place. It's all happened and was fulfilled in the Roman Empire. Then there's the Futurist view, which, which says that except for the first three chapters, John is describing events that will occur at the end of history. That's the futurist view. There's the historicist view that the book of Revelation refers to the welfare of the church until modern times and that each of the seven churches represents a specific church age. This is a pretty widely held belief and and the way that um, people that interpret with the historicist view would believe that the um, Ephesus refers to the apostolic church which was from 33 to about 100 AD when um, John was presumably um, went went on, um, so and thus ended to their belief the apostolic church. Then Smyrna represents the persecuted church, which has gone from 100 to 313 A.D., uh, which has uh, um, you know the next phase of, of persecution going on with the church. And then the church, the Pergamos, uh, Pergamos is the state church from 313 to 476. That's when um, the church became the you know state religion in Rome. Thyatira they, Thyatira, they believe, is the papal church. Um, all the popes, um, you know, running through 476 to 415, uh, 1453 A.D. Sardis would be the Reformed Church from 1570 to 1790 when um, we saw, you know, the Reformation take place and Martin Luther did his thing and everybody else. Philadelphia represents what they call the Missions Church when that took off from there from 1790 until um, the 1990s, uh, um, and then, uh, or to the 1900s, pardon me. And then Laodicea would be the lukewarm church, and unfortunately they believe that's where we're at today, that we're the, the Laodicean church age, the lukewarm church, is what's taking place. That's another view. That's the historicist view. Then there's the idealist or the spiritual view that the book of Revelation is completely symbolic uh, it just talks about good and evil. Uh, it's all a spiritual revelation. It has nothing to do with anything um, his- historically at all. It's just a book about good and evil and a spiritual interpretation of that book. And then there's another one called the Replacement View, which um, has gained some ground, um, that the modern-day church is the new Israel and that all of God's promises to Israel are fulfilled in the church. So that's kind of the normal way, those are the normal ways that the book is interpreted over the centuries. Um, I, I would submit to you that from my point of view that the, and where we're going to look at mainly is the futurist view, that, um, um, that, that the first three chapters were happening, you know, John was writing about that, and from four on has not taken place yet. We're waiting for that. Uh, that we're, that's what we're looking towards, Jesus coming back. And I would say that's the case um, because of Revelation uh, chapter 1, verse 19. is a key verse for that. 
interpretation because that verse records Jesus telling John to write what you've seen, what is now, and what will take place later. And what you've seen is Revelation 1, what is now is Revelation 2 and 3, and what will take place later begins in chapter 4. Because what he's seeing is what he writes about in chapter 1. It was a pretty big deal what took place right there. If you can imagine, just, he was just hanging out you know, on the Lord's Day and all of a sudden, you know, angel, and then Jesus pops into the room and <gasps> boom. Um, uh, and then he says, you know, start writing. The letters to the churches are written. All those churches existed at that point in time. And he writes to them. And then when we see what happens in chapter 4, you'll see that everything takes a different um, tenor from that point forward. So um, I believe that's what's taking place in the book of Revelation. That's my belief. Uh, throughout the book, we're going to have a lot of different ideas that you'll come across. There's a lot of different theories. Um, and, I, you know, I encourage you to, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different viewpoints. And a lot of them are fairly well uh, supported and founded scripturally. Um, so it's okay to not agree with, certainly with me, and uh, uh, to dig in and to, you know, study and figure out where you want to go. I would encourage it because um, it's one of those books. Um, and and uh, anyway, we're going to look at it from that viewpoint. And let me encourage you also not to get distracted, um, trying to figure out all the symbols and the meanings and the dates and the times and the places and the systems. Some people get stuck in there, and then I, I think they... They miss the best part of the book because um, it's easy to get distracted in that process. Remember, it's a book about Jesus and that he's coming back for us. And that, that's, the, that's good news. And, and we long for that day. We're excited about that day and, and uh, all the events that are going to take place in the process. And another big thing about Revelation that some people miss is that um, don't ever forget there's a great statement and a great promise with the book of Revelation both in chapter 1. The great statement is, uh, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place, that this is going to happen. And the great promise is verse 3, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So it's, there's a great statement and there's a great promise in the book of Revelation. It's the only book like that that says you're going to be blessed if you read it and take it to heart. That's a pretty good promise. Uh, I don't know about you, but that anytime he tells you know this is how, this is a this is a blessing. That's a good thing, right? Like the beatitude: "Blessed are you who you know, blessed from reading and from listening and taking to heart what's in the book of Revelation, because the time is near. He's going to come back. Um, you know, sometimes we we know this was written two thousand years ago, and you think, well, he's sure taking his time. Um, but, but God's time and our time are completely different, and He's right on time. Let me just tell you that. He's always right on time, always has been right on time, always will be right on time, and His time is not our time. And that's a good thing, because we're mostly extremely impatient, and uh, we would really make a mess of things. Uh, but He's waiting until the right time. And all of that is, you know, prophetically uh, shaping up, and we know about He's going to prepare a place for us, and the bridegroom, no one knows when He's coming except the Father, because that's how that whole marriage thing worked and we're waiting for the marriage to take place. We talked about that earlier on in our study. So, so these are the things that are going to take place and uh, we'll be looking those at the church. You'll also see in chapter 4, and we'll, we'll have to have the discussion then, um, but just so you know, because a lot of people wonder where the church will be um, during that process. Are we going to be here for the seven years of tribulation? Um, all seven. Do we go out halfway? 
at the three and a half year mark or do we get to go out before it all starts and we'll talk about that in uh, when we get to it in chapter four and I have a I have a thing I believe, um, but but other people believe different, and that's okay. I've had people that I really respect theologically that are completely different in, than my viewpoint on that, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't know. Nobody knows. It's you know it's not. We won't know until it happens. I like to one of my I'll tell you that I maybe I've told you this before because some people get really hung up, and I hope I hope it's not any of you. Um, uh, and it's okay to be very convinced of how you believe, and I'm happy with that. I will I won't make light of it. Um, but but um, there's some people who are, are really, you know, it, we're definitely going to be taken out of here before any of it happens. I like that viewpoint personally because I don't really want to go through the tribulation. But just because I like it doesn't mean it is. But I think there's a lot of um, reasons why I believe that with the feasts of Israel and everything that I'm, I'm good with that one. But there's some great scriptures that say we're here halfway, three and a half years and then out. There's some pretty good theological basis. That, and there's some pretty good theological basis that says we're here for the whole deal all seven years um, um, but you know I always tell people I think that, that God is so cool he'll just whatever you believe God will take you out then <laughs> and if that were true a lot of you would change your ideas really <laughs> I'm going okay <laughs> I'm changing everything <laughs> I don't want to be here for a moment of it but um, you know the other thing is too uh, he's with us and for I love this thing that happens when we were reading I, I'm not going to uh, when, when John sees Jesus now, and remember they were they were like this John and Jesus were close I mean John was leaning against Jesus' chest at the last supper they were they were close when he sees Jesus um, uh, he falls down as dead at his feet you know he's so shocked by seeing Jesus now in this in this form but I love what Jesus says hey man it's me don't be afraid just because it all looks different, you don't need to be afraid. It's still me. And he puts his hand on him and says, don't be afraid, buddy. It's me. And, and um, when you're looking at Revelation, if any of this stuff sort of, you know, causes any sort of anxiety in you, Jesus is right there with his hand on you saying, don't be afraid. I got you. We don't need to be afraid of any of it. Once you're his, you're good. So, uh, um, this Revelation, as I say, well, Revelation, let's get back. So, Revelation, Okay. Uh, the word revelation comes from the from a Greek word apog, which is the Greek word apocalypse, and uh, which is apocalypsis, and it means to reveal or to bring to light or to disclose. And this revelation, the revelation that's coming, proceeds from God to Jesus Christ, and through the angel to John. And this angel will be around in Revelation, um, uh, and because you'll see him at the end of the book, the angel assures John in chapter twenty-two, verse six, that these words are trustworthy and true. So the angel makes these little appearances through there. Um, and Jesus, we find out, gives this revelation or vision to John so that John can record it as an encouragement to all believers. Also remember that a lot of what John is seeing, um, because I hold to the futurist view, are things that he's, he, can't, he can't totally relate to because they happen in the future. I mean, imagine trying to write a book 2,000 years ago about events that are going to take place yet to come and how different things would look even in a revealed form. I mean, you couldn't even imagine trying to describe battles and all sorts of things in a, in a format that you had no concept, where you had no context to describe. So he, he starts talking with, with things that are like the things that he sees to try and give some sort of context to what's going on because he can't describe it. He can't, he can't figure out how to describe what he's seeing because he's never seen anything like it. You, you know, and again, think about trying to describe events Right, right now things are changing so fast think about trying to describe events 10 years from now 
in one of our in one of our Sunday night lectures, um, the 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 teacher uh, had at the instructor, the professor, recorded these things in 1983 that we're listening to, and the Bible's still the Bible, so it's it's perfectly good. They were great recordings back then, um, but he talks about the prevalence of the VCR. <laughs> And the, and the issues that it's causing because people can watch these tapes that aren't good for them now 1983 and can you imagine in 1983 trying to describe you know 20 years later 30 years later I mean it's just I mean can you can, like this you know when you walk around on, with no cables anything basically is like, you know anything and how do you describe that and can you imagine being from 2,000 years ago trying to describe some of this stuff that's taking place and and you know so so you'll see a lot of times that he's there's these he's trying to give words in context to things that are almost virtually impossible to describe to the group that he's with um, and there's also the idea that he's he's making some um, uh, he's again trying to get things out in letters that the Romans don't want him to write so he's also trying to avoid some of that in the process and uh, um, all these things that are revealed are things that we do not need to fear. As I said, Jesus is with us and for us. Always remember that. No matter what's going on, Jesus is with you and for you, and he's got you. So that kind of covers the first three verses. The, verse, the fourth verse, um, he writes to the seven churches as Jesus instructs him to. And so these seven churches are located on, on a major Roman road, as I said, in what's now Turkey. And so a letter carrier um, would leave John with this letter from, from the island of Patmos, and by following the major road, he would arrive at each of those seven churches in order. That's just how they're written. It would have been on that road from where he left. When he head to Ephesus, every, every stop would have been the next stop as he writes the letter. So pretty cool how that happens, but there you go. That's how they're written. Um, the sevenfold spirit that's talked about there in Scripture is just another name for the Holy Spirit. Some people ask... The NIV even talks it differently, but, but uh, the, the way that's translated, the seven spirits around the throne, it's the sevenfold spirit. It's the Holy Spirit hanging out there. Um, in verses 5 through 7, Jesus announces the second coming of Jesus, which will be visible to everyone. When Jesus comes back, everyone will know. That's why when people, you know, anybody that claims to be Jesus right now is not, because it wasn't um, remarkable enough. Uh, everyone, Jesus comes back, there won't be any question. There won't be any doubt. There won't be any... You know, he came very humbly the first time. He's not coming that way the next time. The, the first time he came in the most humble way possible, um, born into this world, so that, that he would have every experience that we have, so he could live the perfect life and die for us. When he comes back, none of that's going to be the case anymore. He's coming back to set things right once and for all, and everyone will know when he's on his way. And we'll read about his entry that's going to be visible to everyone when he comes. For years, people wondered how that would be even possible, how he could be visible by everyone. And God could still do it in ways we can't imagine. But um, now certainly we have technology that could make someone's entrance visible to everybody, right? Everybody would know if... Uh... So, so, you know, imagine that... But, and God could do it without any of our technology, but, but those are the things that are happening. That event, when he comes back, is known as the parousia, or the parousia, uh, the second coming. And the second coming is good news. Don't ever be um, worried about this. It's a good thing that Jesus is coming back. It's what we're waiting for. And so, you know, if these, again, when I first um, was a new believer, I didn't know about the book of Revelation. I, you know, I came in, whoop, from from out of, you know, nowhere. And uh, 
when someone first described it to me, and I, you know, when I came in, man, I was so, Jesus just turned me around in a neat way. Uh, for me, every, lots of things changed in my life. And I was really, it was the first time I'd ever really kind of lived. You know, it was the first experience of real life for me. And, um, and then I wasn't long into it, and somebody told me about Revelation that he was coming back. And, and uh, I, knew, I, I knew that sounded like good news, but I was like, man, I just got this sort of halfway figured out. I'd like to have a little time to walk in it before... <laughs> before he came back and then a few years after I did that then I was like okay now would be good so uh, <laughs> most of you can relate to that process um, but anyway he's coming back that's really good news and it's uh, it's gonna and everybody's gonna know so you don't have to ever people I was just saw something on on the uh, I clicked on something on the on the website about this guy in Miami who says he's Jesus came back he's got a huge ministry People just handed him houses and cars, and it's crazy. All over the, it's all over the globe, millions of followers. And I'm like, it's not Jesus, guys. He's not. Promise. <laughs> Guarantee that one. So, anyway. But people have been claiming to be Jesus since Jesus. Okay, and then uh, so, and then, and then the last part of that first chapter, after verse eight, eight through twenty, just a few things you should know. So the Alpha and the Omega, those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. If you ever wanted what he's talking about there, that's why just describing first and last. Um, he a, a lot of times in the book, John will tell you what the things mean, um, and so the seven gold lampstands are the seven churches. Um, which is which is handy to know. So we're not trying to guess that. We already know what that means. The Son of Man that shows up there, that's Jesus himself. Here's another thing Revelation will do. It will challenge the way that you picture Jesus in your mind. Because when you think about... And I think we all have a mental picture of Jesus. Um, and, and it's derived from all sorts of different places. But um, does your mental picture of Jesus have, uh, include a Jesus with white woolly hair? Eyes that flash fire and a voice that thunders like rushing waters. Is that how you generally see Jesus? Probably not. Um, it wasn't how John was expecting to see him. Like I said, he fell over like dead. That was his buddy. But, but I think it's good. I think it's good that it challenges. You know, it should challenge you. We have sometimes... Barry and I were running the other day. We had this talk. Sometimes this idea of Jesus um, is too, too much for people to bear... And so, so they soften it. And um, a lot of... See, when, when Jesus comes back, man, he's coming back as a warrior on a white horse and everything changes. And a lot of people, are, they can't handle that picture of Jesus. So a lot of people's image of Jesus is either as a baby or still hanging on the cross. And he's neither one of those things. And, uh, and so understanding and having a different mental image of Jesus is important. Uh, we know he's still the Jesus who loves us and who's with us and for us. But he's also the Jesus that's coming back to take care of evil once and for all. And when he does that, it will have a, it'll be a whole different picture of Jesus. Um, and so you need to allow your mental image to change a little bit. I want you never to be afraid of him. Just like he said, never be afraid. But um, our Jesus is a warrior king. When he comes back, he came as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. Things are changing. And that's what we're waiting for. So... Um, you, you need to just sort of be aware of that and uh, let Revelation change your mental image of Jesus because it's healthy and should. Um, 
those seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches um, most likely don't refer to actual angels of the churches because they're all about to get reprimanded um, in chapters 2 and 3 and we just don't think that that's what's going to happen so it's most likely a picture of the elders or the pastors over those churches at that point in time who are going to all catch a little reprimand for not sort of following the way that they should and, um, but you know that might go either way uh, uh, just as you look to it uh, in, uh, in 2 and 3 so that's kind of where we start I'm going to leave it there we're going to hop into chapter 2 next week we'll start talking about the seven churches and um, the, the warnings to each one of the churches and what, what they need to be aware of and you know I like when you'll see that Jesus you know he talks about some good stuff which is a good thing and then he'll say oh, you know this is good but this stuff got to stop and he starts talking about church issues and uh, he'll move into that. So um, if you can, you might want to read ahead a little bit. Uh, I, would, I would sort of read chapter 2 if you can, just to get an idea of what's happening and uh, sort of acquaint yourself with some of it to be ready for the process. Um, and if you didn't catch everything that I said because I went fast, we'll put this up on the website tomorrow sometime. You can go back and, and the notes will already, they'll be there tomorrow as well. You can catch all my notes there and uh, they might help you in the process. But that's good for this one. Um, Thanks for watching. If you're watching by video, um, appreciate you doing that. Come and visit whenever you can. And uh, we appreciate you being a part of what's going on here.